body. We are part of the greatest body. And so this morning, I'd like for you to join me like every Sunday, and let's pray for another body, another part of our body, and that body is First United, uh, First Street United Methodist with Pastor Leslie Ray. So let's just lift them up. Lord, we thank you so much for your, your power. Lord, we thank you for your presence in First Street United Methodist. Lord, we just ask that your blessing would be made manifest on them, that they would be protected, that they would have the wisdom of God in their leadership, that they would have you, Father, in their services, in their meetings, in their planning, Lord. They would have you and they would have wisdom from heaven. And Lord, we just thank you for it. We praise you for it. And we thank you that they are a part of us. We just lift them up. Let them be blessed in every way. Lord, we just plead the blood of Jesus on them. Let them have the protection of God so that no evil would befall them. And Lord, may your blessings overflow and abound towards them. And Pastor Leslie, we just lift her up right now, Lord. We just thank you for her and her role in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today is part three and next week will be uh, the last uh, part of cloudy with a chance of loaves and fishes. And uh, if you don't know why there's you know, loaves and fishes flying through the air, I'll tell you real quick. Uh, but one of the things is this whole series is a look at the church. What is the church? What are we supposed to be doing? What, how does this thing work? How is it supposed to work? Because the truth of the matter is, the way church has been traditionally done in America doesn't necessarily look like what church does in the New Testament. And if it's off, and if it's off base, we need to do our part to get back on base, get back on the foundation so that the power of God can be released and the power of God can be let go into the world the way that it's supposed to be. So in Isaiah 5.13 it says, Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So this is knowledge that we need to have. We need to understand, I don't want to be captive. The next verse says that they're destroyed because they have no knowledge. We don't need to be destroyed. Uh, in the New Living it says this, because they, they are destroyed because they don't know me. Because they don't know me. And so one of the things is we got to get to know him. You know, and the Lord gave us this, uh, this revelation over in Ephesians that when we become one, a, a bride and a bridegroom, they become one in Christ. They become one body. And he says, this is not just talking about a bride and a bridegroom. This is talking about the church and Christ. So what God says is when we become one with him and know him, we become one with him. So in other words, for you to know the church and start to understand the church is to start to understand a part of who Christ is. To know the church is to know him. It's a, it's a part of who he is. It's not everything about him, but it's huge for us to understand, hey, what is your church? What's it supposed to look like? What's it supposed to do? And so we look, and particularly in Matthew 15, verse 36, it says, he took seven loaves, uh, took the seven loaves and fish, and given thanks, he broke them and started giving them 
uh, to the disciples, and then the disciples gave them to the people. So what happens is, I remember in my head for so long, I just had this idea that Jesus was there with the big basket of loaves and fishes, and he held it up before God, and he blessed it. And I just had this idea that, you know, I remember a scene from the... Uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth back in the 70s where he, he, he took it up there with a few loaves and fishes and he brings the basket back down and it's like full and like running over now, right? But here's the point. The miracle didn't happen right there in Jesus' hands only. If it had been, we, we're looking at a close to 15,000 people that were there that got fed. He would have had 15. 15,000, you know, we've said this before, McHebrew Happy Meals all over him. He'd have been under a pile of loaves and fishes. It would have been a mess. That's not how it happened. He took it. He blessed it. He took what's in his hands. He started breaking it. And then he passed it to his disciples. And the miracle happened in their hands. As they took what was in their hands and they gave it to God and they broke it and they passed it out, that's where the miracle took place. So what we've established in week one, two, one and 2 is this. The power of God is released when you use what's in your hands. It's not just what's in my hands. It's what's in your hands. The power of God is released in the hands of the body. So in other words, give him whatever you have in your hands. You might not have much, but you have your life. You have your availability. You, you have obedience that you can hand to him. Maybe you don't have a lot of stuff to give you know, materially, but you can give who you are. Use what's in your hands. That's where the power comes from. Number two, it happens, the power and the miracles of God happens in your hands. Your hands. It doesn't have to be pastor's hands, you know, prophet's hands. It doesn't have to be that. It just needs to be a believer that will use what's in their hands. And number three, what we talked about last week is you, a believer, the believers, the church, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of the anointed one. You are the body of his anointing. In other words, the anointing of Christ, when you accepted Him, it's in you. It's on you. And if it's going to happen in this earth, it's going to happen through you. That's how it's going to happen. Jesus did everything He needed to do, everything He wanted to do, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen through you. And if it's not happening, it's because you're not letting it happen through you. A lot of times we want to put that back on God and God's like, look, I empowered you to be the church. And that's what we're going to look at today. What is that? What is the church? Why is this supposed to operate this way? So today, what is the church? Let's turn to Matthew 16, verse 15 through 19. The church is the authority of Christ on the earth. This is your number one. What is the church? The church is the authority of Christ on the earth. Look at this, Matthew 16, 15. He's talking to his disciples and he said to him, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, remember we talked about last week. Anytime you see the word Christ, you should think you are the anointed one 
and his anointing. So you're the anointed one, and you represent the anointing of God in this earth. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then I, it's kind of like, and I'm going to give you a little bit more revelation right now. Okay, and he says, and also, I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overpower it. Now, let's remember who's talking here. This is Jesus. And when he prays, and when he speaks, does Jesus get what he says? Does he pray and speak in faith? So it, the word says, if you confess with your heart and you know, or confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, it shall be done. Well, that worked for Jesus too. And when he says the gates of hell will not overpower you, he meant it, and it's happening. And if it does overpower you, it's because you don't believe that or you don't know something that's in that. Now, there's a lot of talk about what is the rock exactly. Some people say the rock is the revelation that Jesus was the Christ. Some people say the rock was Peter. Some people say the rock is the church. It really doesn't matter. It all ends up in the same thing. The church will not be prevailed against by the gates of hell. It will prevail against the gates of hell, and it will hold them at bay. What is the church? The church is the authority of Christ on the earth. Verse 19 says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. In other words, where does God's power sit? You remember, uh, they'll, a lot of times you remember in older days they would have a ring and they would you know, put some wax, and then they'd stamp it with that ring and that signet ring, it would mean that this was signed by somebody who had some authority. And that authority, they would say, would be the seat, would be seated in the capital, you know. So they would say, out of their dominion, out of their kingdom, in, the, in uh, their capital represents the power and the authority to make this statement. And if you came against them, they would say that you're coming against, like, uh, let's take Rome, for instance. You are coming against, when you disobey this order that I'm telling you, as a centurion of Rome, you're coming against Rome. Because Rome was the seat of that power and authority. In this time, they understood that. When Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's saying, when you speak it, and when you stand in your authority, your authority does not just end here at the earth. It is written, and it is done in heaven. The seat of that authority, and that's what empowers you. That's where your power comes from, is heaven. Why? Because God's there. Because that's the seat of his rule. That's the seat of his authority. And so Jesus says, hey, look, when you say something here on earth, it's not just done here, it's done in heaven. It's like it's written. When you speak on my behalf and out of my will, it's written in heaven. Well, those are big words. And he wasn't talking to another you know, uh, God uh, that 
you know, besides Jesus, he was talking to human beings. He was talking to you as believers. This is a part of who you are. You are the authority of Christ on the earth. Point number two, what is the church? The church is a group of citizen ambassadors from heaven. Romans 5.6, now this is very interesting. Romans 5.6 said, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came, and I want you to see these words, at just the right time. At just the right time. The timing of Christ was important. Over in Galatians 4.4 it says this, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son. When the fullness at time, so we have at just the right time and at the fullness of time. So in other words, the timing when Christ came was important. The timing was, was it, it brought about something that was different from any other time. There was a timing and it was very important. So what was that importance? Well, I think that there's probably several things, but one thing to look at is uh, to look at how they understood kingdoms at that moment. And the kingdom that was reigning at that time was Roman. It was the Roman kingdom. Now, I need some volunteers who got a sense of humor. Amen. <laughs> I need about four or five of them. So come on. Just stand right here. I don't need you to talk. I just need you to have a sense of humor. There's one. There you go. That's why we need the sense of humor. All right, come over here and stand over here. Yep, yep. Everybody come over here and kind of stand in a group. All right, awesome. I need one more. One more. Uno mas. Here comes Mike. Come on, Mike. <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> All right. So now... I want y'all to act like you're about doing some daily business. All the time, you're just doing your work, you know. Now, I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't line up like this, so let's spread out just a little bit. Kind of stay in it. There you go. All right, so y'all doing your business. Good. Just doing your business. All right. So now, this is my room of secrets over here, so y'all never know what I'm going to pull out of here. So... Happened, this is why you need a sense of humor. All right, so what would happen up till that point in time is there would be kingdoms, and they would come in. Thank you, Mike. Kingdoms would come in, and they would come in and conquer, and they'd fight against them, and they'd conquer. And they would gather all the citizens together. Come on, Mike. They would gather all the citizens together, and what they would do is, uh, now we're not going to put you in actual bondage, this is just fake bondage, will you hold that? Thanks, sir. So, they would put them together, and they'd come through, and they would bind them all up together, and it wasn't always comfortable, <laughs> all right? And then, they would take that, that, come on, fellas, you come with me, and they'd take them back to their homeland, and they would keep them in bondage, and they would make it, y'all are doing so awesome. I mean, you know. And they'd take them back, so y'all are never going to forget this. They would take them back to their homeland, and then they would make them slaves here. Now, they wouldn't be about their normal stuff, but for the whole time, they would always be in bondage. That was how kingdoms worked up until this time. At the fullness of time, Christ came. 
And remember, John said, John the Baptist said, repent or change, change your way of thinking because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a new kingdom coming. And so then Jesus came in and he said, the kingdom is now. He said, the kingdom's now. And I, I remember Miles Monroe, I heard him say this the one time. He, he said, part of the reason for the kingdom coming at the right time, Jesus coming at the right time was the world finally, when Rome was in power, they finally had a good picture of how the kingdom of heaven operates, not just any kingdom. Because Rome operated in some ways in the same way that the kingdom of heaven does. So now, let's let you go. And y'all go on back and do your work over there again like you were before. Leave the rope there. Go on back over here and do your work. So now, here is what Rome did. Rome would come in and they would conquer. Seth, get over here. <laughs> Rome would come in and they would conquer, right? But here's the difference. You already know how to do the work you're doing and you know how to operate your land better than you would the land back at my home territory. So they would leave people in their land. Leave them free and not feeling fully like slaves. They, weren't, they still weren't enjoyed, but it was different. It was much more efficient because they left them doing what they were supposed to be doing. Jesse, will you come here? And then what they would do is they would come up and they would say, hey, Rome just conquered this land. And now I'm sending you as an authority into that land to rule over those people, produce, get the goods out of that country, but leave them doing what they're doing in their own home. Now this was totally different. Can you see how this would produce much more and that they would start to accumulate the resources over all the earth instead of just taking them back and making their place the best. They started to make the whole world the best for them. In other words, they were multiplying their production. They were multiplying their efficiency. And all they did was they sent an ambassador out to that kingdom to oversee it and make sure it went well. That's how Rome did it. And so when John the Baptist and the kingdom and, and uh, Jesus came in and said, the kingdom is now. And they, he talked about how the kingdom's supposed to work and how we are in this world, but not of this world. You are an ambassador. They had a mindset that could understand how that's supposed to operate. All right, thank you, Phyllis. <laughs> Can we throw this back in there, J.D.? Thank you, sir. Now, this is very, very important. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors. You, as a believer, are an ambassador. You're the one that's overseeing your region and your uh, portion of the earth. You're an ambassador. Then he says in John 17, 16, 
They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Just like the Roman ambassador would go, he's a Roman. He operated on a different set of rules than everybody in the country did, but yet he oversaw, he declared, he decreed, he proclaimed how it was going to be. Not saying they did it right, but it was a good model for the kingdom of heaven. You, as an ambassador, are in this world, but you're not of this world. And you are to declare, decree, proclaim how this thing's going to be. And he said it like this to Abraham in Galatians 3.8. He said, through you, the ambassador, through you, the believer, through you, all the nations will be blessed. So our job is to walk into an area with the anointing of Christ as Christ's authority in this earth and start proclaiming the will of God on the earth. Start proclaiming the blessings of God. Our job as the church is to bring the blessings from heaven into this earth. Now when you start to understand that, the only thing about that is it brings a little bit of responsibility. Because all of a sudden, it's not God's fault for bad stuff happening. It's ours. But it also brings about a solution. What? You mean now I can do something about the things that are happening in this earth? Yes, you can. And it's your job to. And if you're not operating that way, you're shirking your duties. He said this in Philippians 3.20, And this is very important. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. This is your citizenship. This earth, this is not your citizenship. I I like putting it like this. I know years ago the Lord gave Nicole and I this revelation. Whatever we do for a job, whoever we work for, you know, the name of the company, that's not our real job. Not according to that word. Your real job is ambassador from heaven. And when you start seeing yourself as a son of God, a child of God, an ambassador of heaven, you start walking different. And the devil starts treating you different. Not saying he lets up on you. He'll still try to sneak in and get get, uh, over on you. He will do that. But you start recognizing, wait a minute, he doesn't have a right to do this anymore because Jesus said, all power and authority is given to me. That doesn't leave any power and authority for the devil. When you start recognizing who you are in Christ, the devil's days of running and ruining your life are over. Listen to this. It's not just over in your life once you start realizing you're an ambassador. The devil's days of ruining the world around you is over because you're an ambassador. You're ruling and reigning, proclaiming, decreeing the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. And look at this. Jesus again in Matthew 6, 9 and 10. He told you. They said, teach us how to pray. He said, pray this way. You, the understood subject, you pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're awesome. You're holy. That's what it's saying. It's worshiping him right out of the gates. You... Lord, are awesome. Your kingdom come. In other words, send your kingdom. You can say it like this in the context of the the whole word, the whole gospel. Lord, send me as your kingdom. 
and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm your ambassador. I'm here now. Now look, you can't do this without God. It wouldn't be possible. You know, you could, alright, if you ever said, well, I don't want to accept Jesus, but I want to be an ambassador. I'm going to pray the way he told me to pray. Well, it might work a little bit, but it won't be too long until uh, you're going to get knocked out. Because the devil's going to be like, he said, what? <laughs> and you're trying to operate in an authority that's not yours. If you want to operate in this kind of authority, number one thing is you've got to be a child of God. You've got to be a citizen of the kingdom. Okay? You've got to understand who you are. You've got to have knowledge of him, knowledge of what he's made you, because without that knowledge, and I'm not talking about just trivia, I'm talking about you know that you know. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you can walk in that authority that he's given you as an ambassador on this earth. So number one, the church is the authority of Christ on the earth. Number two, the church is a group of citizen ambassadors from heaven. And this leads us into a huge, huge point. Let's turn to Matthew 16, 18 again. We already read this verse, but I want you to see it again. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overpower it. Now what's important to see in this is that word right there, church. As far as I know, um, and I, didn't, I think I read this, but I didn't look it up for myself. This is the, there's something very important in the Bible. It's called the power of first mention. In other words, when you see it mentioned the first time, it really sets up what's going on and what, it really defines it. So I believe this is the first time that the word church is mentioned. And this word in the Greek, the Greek word here is what's called ekklesia. Ekklesia. Okay? Now, that's the Greek word. Well, that has some significance. And you need to understand that you're not just church the way the American society has taught you. You are ekklesia, the way Jesus pronounced you. Okay, And there's a difference between the two. Because most people think church is basically a building. Hey, I'm going to go to church. And so they show up at a building. And we take care of the building. We say we're taking care of the church. That, that's not really what this is talking about. You know, If that was the case, you'd never see any church fall down or catch on fire or anything like that because it would be just a building that didn't have a choice and the gates of hell would never prevail against it. That's not the case. The church is in a very uh, traditional sense, is what's called the called out ones. In other words, they're called out of the world. Okay, But there's a meaning here that's much more. Remember, we've already talked about the timing of God and how important the timing when Jesus came was. Well, there was, a, there was something going on with ecclesia at that time too. And what it is is very important. Listen to this. This is the definition of the church, ecclesia, from Thayer. He says, Ecclesia is, and listen to this, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. So the first thing is, this is when we convene. We congregate, which is where we get congregation from. This is when we say, all right, I'm going to come out of our house, I'm going to come together in a public place, and we're going to gather. So that's one 
definition of it. But that's not the end of it. It says, an assembly of the people convened at a public place, and, and listen to this, you're going to start to see the picture of it. The public place of council for the purpose of deliberating. And I'm, I'm not going to explain that just yet. Let me read some other stuff that I found on this. Ecclesia was, and listen to this, we're not just talking about religion, we're not just talking about what we think church is, we're talking about what was ecclesia when Jesus said it? What, what, what did that mean to the people? Just like, what did it mean when he said kingdom? What did ecclesia mean when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it? What did it mean in that moment? Ecclesia was the lawful assembly in a free Greek city of all those possessed who possessed the rights of citizenship for the transaction of public affairs. A select portion of it, including neither the populace or strangers. So here's what that means. The ecclesia at that time were people who were citizens. If you weren't a citizen, you weren't a part of ecclesia. But what Ecclesia did is it came together and it set public policy. In other words, Ecclesia said, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go down. This is how it's supposed to be. Now, if you weren't a citizen of the kingdom, you didn't get to come together and make decisions. This was a ruling and governing body. Listen to this, this is actually something that's very interesting and you start to see what we're supposed to be as the church. It says, when the Greek city-states found their governments had become too corrupt and oppressive, they would call for an ecclesia, an assembly outside the civil authority of the city. Now, we know the only ones that could come to that were citizens. You couldn't just have strangers or foreigners come into that. You had to be a citizen. So if you're a believer, let me ask you this question. Are you a citizen? Oh, yeah. You're a citizen. So you're a part of this. It said, if enough people came out and refused to accept the existing centralized civil authority, that government would collapse. Now, I'm not calling you for rebellion. There were zealots in the time of Jesus too, and he didn't go up and just join them trying to physically overthrow anything. I'm not talking about overthrowing the government. I'm talking about bringing heaven in. I'm talking about allowing the systems to run, but now we run them with a ruling authority bringing the will of God down into them. Bringing the will of God into the Board of Education. Bringing the will of God into the government. Bringing the will of God into business. Bringing the will of God into education and arts and media. This is ecclesia. Now see, we've been sitting back like, yeah, well, we're going to go to church and we're going to hear a message. Woo-hoo! And then we all are sitting there going, man, it just feels like there should be more. And that's why it feels like that. Because there is supposed to be more. And not Pastor Brian running everything. Pastor Brian basically shepherding a flock that knows how to set policy and principle and bring the blessing of God on people born again and not born again. 
to bring the blessing of God into an area and me teaching you what is the will of God? What should this earth look like? What should your job look like? What should this government look like? What should it look like? And who's going to make it happen? Not me and everything. I can't be on every board. You. You're going to bring it into your workplace. You're going to bring it into your government. You're going to sit down and understand my authority and in your prayer closet say, Lord, in Jesus' name, may the will of God be done in my business. May the will of God be done in my work. May the will of God be done in Stanley County. May the will of God be done. Hey, no destructive weather gets to come around here. I'm in Ecclesia. No destructive weather gets to ruin stuff and blow stuff through. No, no, no. That doesn't go around here. It doesn't happen. Because we are in authority. We are a ruling and governing body. And we have set up the kingdom of heaven. As it is in heaven, so it be on earth. There's no tornadoes, no earthquakes, no, none of that happening in heaven. And Lord, in Jesus' name, now I know what your will is. Will of God be done right here on this earth. That's one thing for me to say that. It's another thing when all of you stand up and start saying it in your homes and in your classrooms and in your businesses and in your government and say no. And we're not, we're not talking about being belligerent and mean. We're talking about standing up in the love of God. Pronouncing, de uh, declaring, proclaiming, decreeing. May the love of God be made manifest on this earth in my home, in our schools, and not letting the devil have any say, because the only thing he's about is stealing, killing, and destroying. Listen to this. There's a book called Ecclesia by Anthony Daly. I haven't read the whole book, so I can't you know, tell you that the whole thing is great, but I did read this paragraph, and this is awesome. Ecclesia is the governing assembly of heaven. Ecclesia is the governing assembly of heaven here on earth and is responsible for declaring war, releasing military strategy. Now when we say that, we're talking about you don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. We're talking about spiritual warfare because that's what's actually going to win and make things happen. Now we're changing the route. They're responsible for declaring war, releasing military strategy, and this is a big one, legislating the region and electing officials. We are, as Ecclesia, the delegated ambassadors commissioned by Christ to enforce the will of God. We come together for the purpose of receiving instruction to decree into and to legislate over a particular region or nation for transformation and reconciliation of mankind to our Heavenly Father. Would you like to hear that again? Ecclesia is the governing assembly of heaven here on earth and is responsible for declaring war, releasing military strategy, legislating the region, and electing officials. We are the delegated ambassadors commissioned by Christ to enforce the will of God. We come together for the purpose of receiving, and this is why we meet. This is why we come together. For the purpose of receiving instruction to decree into and legislate over a particular region or nation for transformation and reconciliation of mankind to our Heavenly Father. 
Now see, the church is this, and we're going to get into this more next week as we end this series. Church is this. It's made to bring you to a place where you know what God wants to happen. And you know how to make it happen. In His power and His authority. And so when you see something that is not God, that is anti-God, you know, hey, it's my job right now to stand up. It's my job right now to put my foot down and say, no devil, you can't have it this way any longer. No devil, you're not running the show in my house anymore. No devil, you're not running the show in my city anymore. No devil, you're not running the show in my nation anymore. And when somebody knows it besides the preacher, when you start getting it into your head and into your heart and standing for that together, and we come into unity as the ecclesia of God, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. But we've got to know it. And we've got to operate in it. We can't just know it in, as trivia, as a fact. We've got to know that we know. We've got to get it in us. We've got to know... Man, this is who I am in Christ. No wonder I feel like this sometimes. No wonder I feel this way. You are supposed to be setting policy by your spiritual authority in Christ. You are supposed to be setting the will of God in place on the earth, in your place on the earth. You are supposed to be establishing the blessing of God for all people in your area. This is what you're called to do. Not me by myself. All of us, you as believers are called to this. You are ecclesia. But you don't do it by just passing through life. You have to be purposeful in a godly and heavenly life. In other words, you don't just get to come into church one day and then be like, you know, how would you like it if somebody you know, was wet behind the ears, they hadn't even graduated fifth grade yet, and then they wanted to go up to Washington and start ruling as a legislator? Well, that would be pretty bad, right? Because there would be a lot of stuff they didn't know and a lot of balance that they couldn't bring to the table. Well, that's what a lot of Christians try to do. They try to walk into church once and then go home and take all authority over the devil. And yes, it's theirs, but they have no clue on how to do it. And they definitely shouldn't be speaking and declaring over other people's lives yet. And it doesn't mean that you need to wait around all your life either. It means as the Holy Spirit prompts you, then you stand up. But it's also designed as a system. Part of the church is to have a shepherd that can help say, you don't want to quite do that yet. Let's try doing this. That's what I'm here for, to help you see what is and what isn't the will of God right now and to have some oversight so that I can see down the road and see these things and help lead us as a flock and as a body so that we are not just playing church, we are being the ecclesia. We are being the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against and the first step is your own lives is your own house you know a lot of times we've been getting ransacked by the devil in our own homes and the first step is taking authority there you got to know how to have authority there before you can take it out into the world so a lot of times people come in they start learning who they are in christ and what he's done for them and the grace that he has for them and the love and the healing and the mercy and they say really is that true praise god i can have that yeah and then they start operating 
and they start putting it into practice, but their mind only goes so far as their own stuff. But you're not called to stop at your own stuff. You're called to learn how to do it there and then take it on. You're an overflow in your abundance. Let the blessing of God overflow into this area. Romans 12, as we wrap up, 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, he's saying, I'm begging you. And get this, get this, get this. I'm begging you. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In the King James it says, this is your reasonable service. In other words, this is not something God's going to make you do. But if you understand love, you ought to be sitting there going, you know what, this is what I should do. If he loved me like that and he sowed love into me, I ought to return a harvest to him of my love to him. This is my reasonable service. This is how I worship God on a regular, everyday basis. By giving myself to Him as a living and holy sacrifice. That means I don't get to make all the decisions about what I do anymore. My decisions are now His. I'm willfully giving them to Him so that He can show me how to be ecclesia. Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, if you will give yourself to the Lord, and you will give your mind and your thinking, and let Him renew that, and let Him start showing you who He really is and His heart for you, and who you really are in Him, and you'll start learning that and seeing that, and applying that in your life, your life will start to prove the will of God. And people will see that the will of God, oh, it's good. It's perfect. It's acceptable. A lot, of, a lot of the times, this is what we've been missing in the church because we really haven't given ourselves as a living sacrifice. We're not living this out and we're not proving anything to the world. But when we start living this way, all of a sudden people start taking notice. We start becoming the light, being the light, and they're drawn to the light. To really be ecclesia, the church that God's called you to be, the church in authority, the church um, that is a group of citizen ambassadors, to be that ruling group on this earth. These are things that we must do. Let's just stand up. These are things we must do. Jesus must be your Lord. In order to step into that, first thing is, Jesus has got to be your Lord. And when I say that, I don't just mean you're going to heaven. I mean, you're letting Him make your choices. You're not, you're not coming up with your own ideas anymore. You're, you have a mission. And you're giving orders and direction from heaven. And you're saying, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, Lord. Because sometimes he's going to ask you stuff and your flesh is going to be like, no, 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 no. Throwing a tantrum. Sometimes that's what your flesh is going to be like. And you've got to get control of your flesh and put it down. Yeah. Jesus has got to be your Lord. Number two, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you're not going to be empowered to be His ecclesia without being empowered by Him. And that's how He empowers you. 
You need to be filled. You've got to grow in your maturity in Christ. You can't be fifth grade legislator. Just because you've you know, learned a little bit about civics doesn't mean that you are ready to govern. We've got to mature in Him in the fruit of the Spirit. We've got to learn how to walk in love, walk in faith, walk in hope. You've got to put down the flesh. We've got to go and make disciples. To be ecclesia, these are things we must do. You've got to use what's in your hands. And you've got to release the anointing of Christ. To be what God's called you to be. It doesn't just happen just because you know about it. It's like we were talking at the beginning. You've got to step into it. You've got to make a decision. You've got to change. See, now here's the thing. I've kind of set you up. Because now you're responsible for this knowledge. Ha ha. So now the Holy Spirit's going to be sitting there being saying to you, are you really maturing like you're supposed to be? You bet you ought to get to church. It's down there telling you how to govern, how to rule, and you're not even hearing it. You're not even receiving direction from heaven because you're not tapped into the body the way you need to. The Holy Spirit's going to be telling you stuff like that. And now you're responsible for it. And I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm so happy. Now you know what you're called to be. So all it is is just saying, all right, Lord, I'm not going to bury these talents. I'm not going to bury this ability. I'm going to let you be the Lord. I'm going to let you make the decisions. And we're going to become, listen, we are going to become the ecclesia, the church that God's called us to be. We're going to do the things that He's called us to do. It's already begun, whether you knew it or not. We've been doing this the whole time, but on a smaller level. But when we start having your agreement and the unity of other believers, it multiplies. Right now, there may be, maybe you need to accept Christ. Maybe you need to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you need to say, all right, Lord, I am going to mature. Whatever it is, if you need to do anything, I just, let's just bow our heads. If you need any piece of that, just, you don't have to tell me which one it is. Just raise your hand and say, I, I need to do some of that. I recognize it. I see it. And right now, I just want you to, you know, if you raise your hand, or even if you didn't, but you know you need to, I want you to tell the Lord as we pray, Lord, I just, I repent. And I know that you are faithful and just to forgive me for missing it. But right now I change. I turn the other direction. And I go after you with everything I have to become the church that you've called me to be. This is not just some everyday meeting. This is not just some everyday group. I'm sitting here right now, Lord. I'm talking to a group of legislators. I'm talking to a, a group of governing authorities in this area. This is who you are. You're the rulers. You're the legislators. On this earth from heaven. That's who I'm talking to, Jesus. And Lord, we do what we need to do to become who we need to become. Not for Pastor Brian. Not even for ourselves. We do it for Jesus. Lord, we become who You've called us to be. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And You gave me everything. And Lord, we receive 
that right now and we put it in the act to action. Right now in our hands, what we have is Jesus. And Lord, we take Jesus, we take the life that's in us, we take the authority and the citizenship that's within us, and we start doing something with it. We have a responsibility to our kingdom to make something of it. Right now, Lord, we receive that call, we receive that commission, and we move into everything that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be the ecclesia. Be the church. Start in yourself, in your own heart. Start in your home. And start becoming who God's called you to be. If you don't have a church home, this is what we're about. Becoming who God's called us to be and nothing short of it. If you're from out of town, you can watch this and grow and learn and learn how to be this. By plugging in and maturing, you can watch. we got the live stream and the archives. You can, you can learn how to be who God's really called you to be. Because there may be some people watching that they can't get here every Sunday. They live too far away. But you can watch and you can plug in. Join the body of believers that's close to you, that's near you. Become a part of the legislating authority over the area that you're in. Lord, I just thank you for this group of leaders. And I see, I, the Holy Spirit's really revealed to you to me today. I just see you as the leaders of God in this area. That's what I see on you today. It's who you are. And when I said that earlier, that's a prophetic voice over you declaring who you are, the leaders in this area. It's who you are. Don't let the devil sell you short. It's who you are. It's who you're called to be. It's your destiny. It's your purpose. It's your future in God. And oh man, is it awesome. Is it great? You realize that you're learning how to do it right now because you'll be doing it for eternity in the kingdom. <laughs> it's who you are. Man, I see you as the leaders that God's placed in this area. I see you rising as leaders in your home. As the authority. Not letting the devil push you around and be the authority anymore. Not, being, not having him be the authority by default. But you've taken up and taken your stand as the authority of Christ. The authority of heaven in your home, in your life, in your business, in, your, in everywhere that you go, in your community. It's who you are. It's who you are. Lord, thank you for these leaders. Thank you, Father, for these authorities. Thank you for who you are in them, in Jesus' name. Thank you for who you are in them. Lord, we just praise you and we worship you and we thank you in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. If today is your first day, we have a gift for you if you'll see Barrett. And if you have any prayer needs whatsoever, if you will see her as well. And then in a minute talking about the torch run if you're going to participate jeff's going to be coming up here to tell you all about it just stand up here have a great day we love you Yeah.
Ashes we rise.